Welcome into the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. Let's go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome into another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. Proud member of Fantasy Points and the Fantasy Points Media Group. D-Mendy here, joined by a little cheesecake Marty party and the doc and a special guest, which on the podcast you'll hear in just a second. Little cheesecake, I got to ask you, are you rolling in the deep tonight? We could have had it all. Always, man. Uh, just to get you singing, that gets the night started out right. Marty Party, who's right now in a pout because he got sniped on Lance Lynn. Marty Party, how you doing? No, it's even worse. I didn't get um, sniped. I, on my own, picked Pyron Buxton over Lance Lynn. <laughs> and then, just because I needed an outfielder in our best ball league that we're doing, and now, and then he was drafted right afterwards. And doesn't that make you feel the worst when it you're does. between two people, you pick somebody, and the next pick he goes? And it's just, yep. it's going to be hard to sleep tonight. But other than that, we're doing great. Has Byron Buxton not hurt you enough? Do you, you want more? Pain? I've never drafted him before. Other than our um, league we did last year, like the listeners league, I've never had Byron Buxton in any team. So I am ready to be hurt. I'm ready. Okay. All right. And then we have Doc, who's a fan of the elder statesman baseball players. You know, one league with Byron Buxton is too much. And in this best ball league we're doing, it's like the most undock team ever. Are you, has there been any picks you regret? Uh, like all of them, like Freddie Freeman, Bobby Witt. Um, it's like players I've like never rostered before. That's good. It's good to... Uh, you Darvish. It's good to step into new waters. Uh, but speaking of new waters, our guest tonight, we welcome a man that I would go in the deep end of the pool with. Co-host of In the Deep with Jordan White on the Pitcherless Podcast Network. He's a Mets fan and now Justin Verlander fan. Digs the long ball plays with your emotions in all the video games. It is the one and only Schwebzy, Christopher Weber. What's up, man? Hi, friends. Uh, I'm good. I'm happy to be here. It's been a while. The last time I was here, it was with, uh, you know, your, your friend and my friend, Yancey Eaton. Yep. And I uh, had a great time then and looking looking forward to this. Yeah, man. It's, oh, it's been a while. I was glad to uh, us for able to get you back on the show because... I talked to them ahead of time. Marty had said he's like, I don't think I've ever talked with Schwebs. Yeah, I was like, oh man, you're in for a treat because he's a it's a blast to do a show with. Uh, but first, we get before we get started, tell us a little bit about your your podcast for those that might not have heard it before. So my pat my podcast is called In the Deep, as you mentioned, and that's where me and my co host Jordan White we talk about leagues. Uh, we we want to we want to hit on like your 15 teamers, your AL onlys, your NL onlys, even dynasties. We touch on because you know they're they're inherently deep leagues. So we focus on only players who during the season are rostered in 20 percent or fewer of leagues. And during draft season, we talk about players who are being drafted after 250 in the uh, ADPs that we find. So uh, we want to talk about your more obscure players, your your later draft picks, the guys who hopefully the rest of the fantasy world isn't on top of yet. And that's such great content because I think everybody talks about the studs up top. Everybody does position previews in the off season. Everybody talks about breakouts and all this and that. And in season people are going over like, you know, waiver wire, but you guys are really kind of given the, the hard hitting kind of with elbow grease type of analysis where you're digging deep, like in your guy's name. And really, I think that's like league winning type of content is being able to give those deeper league ads and those names that people might not be as familiar with. 
Uh, is it a difficult thing for you guys to do as often as you do it? Because I feel like obviously it takes a lot more research and it definitely is not as sexy as being able to say some of the names everybody wants to talk about. So how do you guys find yourself to be able to keep up with as much as you do? I actually hate this time of year because I'm thinking at the end of the year, I'm like, I'm going to be all over like Lars Newbar. That's been my guy. And now I'm looking and he's like 212 <laughs> ADP and I can't even talk about him by our rules. So it's like when the, when the other sharps in the fantasy world talk a guy up and he shoots up the ADP list, I can't even talk about him anymore. But it's funny because uh, you, you, I, I saw your schedule for the day. It gave me Ajita. I can't imagine doing multiple shows in a day. We we're we're on a tw- uh, every other week schedule right now, and, I, and when our recording time comes up, it's our, it's like God. What are we going to talk about? I can't even imagine doing what you guys do. It's it gets to be a lot sometimes. I think we just try to like put a lot in like a couple of days to give ourselves like pretty much most of the week to kind of reset, prep, and do that type of stuff. But it definitely is a grind. But some fresh energy definitely helps. Uh, wait, so, wait, Schwebs, I want to go back. You're talking about the risers like Lars Newbar that are like, damn, I can't talk about him. You must love when people drop in like, oh, yes, come down, fall even more in the ADP. We want to talk about you. I love a post type player, except we, we see that we'll see a guy drop and it's like, oh, great. We can talk about him now. But a lot of the time when someone drops, there's a reason they drop. And it's like we're then we're talking up guys <laughs> who are just, you know, they're they're in the middle of a steep decline instead of just, you know, on a little bit of a decline. Do you feel like when someone rises in ADP, it's like when a, a bird's leaving the nest and you're like, OK, he's out now. Everybody can talk about him. He's out there for everybody to talk to uh, experience now. This past year, we had a uh, we had a little segment on the podcast. Uh, it was like the graduates, and it was guys who graduated <laughs> from twenty percent rostership. And we would just mention them one last time because you know that we can we could no longer talk about them. We wanted to just one last time tell our, our listeners, you know, get this guy. He's he's going up. If he's still available in your league, grab him. Oh man, I, did do, you guys play graduation music? No, no. We're, oh, we're, we're, I mean, diploma, imaginary diploma where we're too we're too we're too afraid of, of getting like a, a <laughs> what it is a dcma request well as much as we would love to keep talking about this stuff with shrubs we i know you guys are here listening and watching for some dynasty content tonight and we are closing out our dynasty fantasy baseball series with the nl east And there are so many awesome players to talk about in this division for Dynasty context. Remember, each week, the caveat is these players have to have some major league experience in order to be talked about. If you're looking for more prospect analysis, we have a show called The Call-Up on the YouTube and podcast feed you guys can check out for Strictly Prospect Talk. Uh, But let's kick things off with the New York Mets, which sometimes just things fall into place. And Schwebzy is like, I'm a Mets fan, and it fell perfectly into this episode. So, Schwebzy, give us the first guy for the New York Mets that you feel like is dynasty relevant. So the the Mets are kind of uh, both an easy and a difficult team from a dynasty perspective because the well, the youngest guy in the projected lineup right now is 27. So that's already off. When you're thinking dynasty, you're you're generally thinking younger guys, uh, you know, unless you're Doc. But <laughs> so when guys are aging past, you know, their prime year of 27, people immediately start dropping them on their list. So for the Mets, you know, in theory, not not a lot of guys uh, are, are big dynasty thoughts right now. 
but they do have two major prospects, one of whom my, my favorite prospect on the team and everyone's favorite based on prospect lists is Francisco Alvarez. I love Alvarez. I, I think it was Keith Law gave him like a, a Mike Piazza bat potential comp and I'm just I'm done like that's in my head forever now and I can't shake it. And now if he's not Mike Piazza, I'm going to be disappointed. He's I mean, he's pretty much been a consensus top five prospect last season the bat is crazy do you think that his future is at catcher or do you think that they're going to eventually move him off sooner rather than later so this is like the opposite of how catchers usually work but i think we're going to see fewer catcher plate appearances at the very start of his career and more as things go along because you're going to hear me say this again with some of the other guys i talk about today the mets are a veteran team they there's not like if you look at their lineup as it currently stands, there's not a place for Francisco Alvarez to play, but he is a top five prospect. He already played last year. He should play this year. So is he going to get playing time over James McCann? Like he probably should. Maybe, maybe not. Is he going to get playing time over Darren Ruff at DH? Darren Ruff was terrible last year and he doesn't have, James McCann's, you know, great defense to fall back on. So I think it's actually more likely that Francisco Alvarez gets in the DH mix this year and gets backup catcher plate appearances than gets, you know, I, I think that's more likely than him taking over the primary catcher job. So I do think that this year he might he he might catch so little this year that he doesn't have catcher eligibility next year. But I, I do think that in the near future, like 2024, he he will wind up the primary catcher. Yeah, and I mean, talking about his stats, like 27 homers, 80 or 78 RBIs in the minor leagues, only did have about 12 at-bats at the big league level. But the cool thing you did mention was that he'll get some DH at-bats too, which if you're looking for catchers, especially, obviously in redraft leagues, you look for guys that are going to accumulate plate appearances, especially that position. It sounds like he's going to play a lot of DH, that he'll get that opportunity. And then hopefully if he does get enough chances at catcher, maybe an injury happens, he can keep that catcher flex, uh, eligibility going into the next season and then make it where it's, it's a, an afterthought, whereas he keeps uh, being their primary catcher going forward. He's definitely a very juicy dynasty asset uh, and just an all-star player. Uh, and our buddy Vinny down on the farm says he thinks he's very similar to Alejandro Kirk. What do you think about that, Schwebzy? I, I do think like the power and hit tool are kind of flipped there where Alejandro is kind of hit over power and Alvarez is the opposite. But as, as far mm -hmm. as like, I, I think they could wind up putting up similar like WRC pluses or, or Wobas, but they'll get there in like much different ways. They're, they're both very gifted offensive catchers just in different ways. As, um, you know, unless Alejandro Kirk does what he did for that one stretch this year and starts elevating in, in which case, you know, the sky is the limit for him. Yeah, he's a fantastic player. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do with this Mets team this coming season and going forward. Doc, let's talk about your team. Uh, I believe you – I should have actually written down what everybody's team is. So I'm the Phillies. Go ahead, Doc. I mean, the Phillies are everywhere these days. All right, so I want to so hear who – who, because I only talk about old people. What are the three dynasty players that you would talk about, David? Uh, well, this – is this – do I make these notes before the Trey Turner trade or before no, the Trey, Trey Turner? No, Trey Turner is involved. Okay, so Trey Turner would be one. Um, I would probably say, I mean, 
Bryce Harper is still okay. Uh, two, two. Okay, you're just picking old people so far. Bryce Harper's not old. Bryce Harper's thirty. That's not. Okay, old. but continue, continue. Uh, and then I would probably say, how old Aaron Nola? Aaron Nola is like thirty. Also, I'm trying to think. I mean, Bryce those were my three. Aaron Nola is twenty nine. Bryson Stott is not. I wouldn't say like at this point. I I feel like he's that. Reese Hoskins, I think, is kind of an imposter. Uh, the first three you named are the ones that I did. So Alec Bohm. Like, Alec Bohm is a bomb things. waiting to happen. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, go ahead, Doc. Let, let's you just talk about your first one. Okay, I'm gonna talk about Trey Turner. Um, just set a uh, the baseball world on fire, signing a huge contract, 13 million or 13 years. Um, I would say you hold him, you sell high if you're looking to get a good return back. Or there's a concept called swing trading where you sell someone at a peak value and then you buy in at a lower point. And so this is why I say players typically struggle their first year of big contracts. I think it's happened a lot in recent memory. Lindor, Harper, Machado, Tatis didn't even play in his first full year. Bryce Harper is going to be out probably until July, may come back earlier, may come back later. We don't know if Trey Turner is going to be hitting leadoff that they haven't given him that spot yet. Kyle Schwarber did a great job at leadoff last year. This is a guy that has two 20 home run seasons in his career. When you look, really, the speed is what jumps out. He's in the 99th percentile sprint speed. But the stolen bases have gone down each season in the last full four years, from 43 to 35 to 32 to 27. So he doesn't walk a lot. Um, he has a 344 Babbitt for his career, which I see going down when the speed goes down. And you look at some of the batting metrics, barrel percentage and average exit velocity are in the 48th percentile. So I think because he just signed this huge contract, this is where his value is peak. I'd look to get a deal. Like if you're, you got to get a two for one. Um, you could get someone like Gunnar Henderson and Alex Bregman, someone that's going to help with the speed and power. Um, or if you're looking for a pitcher and hitter, George Kirby and Lindor. And if Turner struggles in the first couple of years or struggles in the first year, you could buy, probably buy him at a lower cost than he is now. So you're saying, Doc, to sell Trey Turner right now? I'm saying you either hold, but this is probably the highest his value will be. Okay. I mean, I to be honest with you, and and Schwebzy, uh LC or Marty Party, you can jump in too. I feel like he could get a lot more steals this year. I feel like with the Dodgers, he was hitting second or third. I feel like he could hit first or second in the Phillies lineup at top of the order and get a lot more stolen bases this year. And he could go back to stealing forty bags, along with you know hitting twenty to twenty five home runs and scoring a whole bunch of runs with this stacked Philly lineup. I think his value actually goes up from last year. What do you guys think? Well, he had like, he, he actually got a lot of RBIs last year. His, his hit hundred last year. It's possible. His runs plus RBIs are going to go. Well, I, I think it's pretty probable because he had over 200 runs plus RBIs last year. And for him to do that again, while leading off when your RBI totals go way down, I think it's going to be a, that's going to be a little bit of a drag on him. So his counting stats, I think are probably going to go down, but the steals, I think could go back up. I don't think he hits first. I feel like Kyle Schwarber will hit first, but I think he could hit second. I think you can't play put Schwarber on in front of Turner because he's clogging up the bases for any steals for Turner. 
don't you think? That's I'm true. looking at um, steals overall, which I, I always believe that steals is a little bit of a team philosophy. And the Phillies were fifth last year with 105 steals, only behind the Cubs, Guardians, Marlins, and Rangers. So they have it in their DNA to steal bases. So I do like that. Yeah, when you're as fast as Trey Turner is, steals are just about willingness. So the question for him is, is he going to try to steal more? So, I mean, if the team is just going to give him the green light and tell him to run like crazy, he could, he could get back up to 40. I don't see why not. He's still as fast as anybody. And then you have the impact for stolen bases being more accessible this year with bigger bases, only being able only to throw to first twice. Uh, there's going to be a lot more steals, I think, this year in the MLB in general. And if there's someone like Trey Turner, who's already a top three or four candidate to lead the league in steals, with a team that was a top five in stolen bases last year, I do think Trey Turner is has the chance to exceed his value with, that he had with the Dodgers last year and be an actual dynasty buy if you if you're like Doc and you think this is like the peak that he's going to be. But and you can see both sides of the coin. I'm interested to see what people if they think they expect next year for him to be better in fantasy than he was this year, which is already incredible. And once again, uh, it's not selling for pennies on the dollar. Like if you get George Kirby and Lindor, like that's a slightly below average player oh. you know slightly below value shortstop value would you guys do that i would rather have trey turner and kirby and lindor if, I, I don't hate that i would yeah i would potentially do that i'd rather trey turner i'd have to think about it but this it, is what i'm saying this is good debate. i wouldn't hang up yeah <laughs> i like that you take the call but when it comes down to it marty you're taking the deal yeah, I would. My man! Have you, have you, you, you have to understand, I'm also a huge homer. So Francisco Lindor gets some <laughs> bonus points there. I, I think before I would pull the trigger, I would want the pitching side of that upgraded a bit. That's, that's what I'm thinking, too. I like George Kirby, but I'm not completely sold that he would be the type of pitching piece I'd want back for someone of the caliber of Trey Turner. Elsie? I don't know. See, I... I, I think that Lindor, I, how much of a step down from Turner is Lindor? It, it's it's not a younger. huge step down. It's not a huge step down. Yeah. I think it's a pretty good deal to me. We're split. I think Lindor, good, good offer yeah, out there, Jack. Well, we were split down the middle. All right. Marty Party, you're next. And I believe you are talking about the, uh, it'll come to me, the Marlins, the, the Miami Marlins. Yes, the Miami Marlins. Yeah. And they have a lot of great young talent there at the major league and in the minor leagues, of course. But it, it must have been hard to pick the three you wanted. Uh, obviously, they have tons of tons of great pitching. So give us the first one you want to talk about. Got to start with Sandy. Good old Sandy Alcantara, uh, 27 years old. And, and this is just um, a report that came out. So the Marlins are telling teams they're willing to listen to trade just about anybody other than Sandy. So Sandy's completely off the market. Um, so expect him to stay on the Marlins for the foreseeable future. So he's 27 years old. He just won his NL, uh, NL Cy Young. He pitched the most innings last year by a lot, by an extra by 20. So he had 228.2 uh, innings pitched. He tied for the second most quality starts with 25, 2.92 X ERA. He had a career low 5.6 walk percentage. And he has the most balanced full arsenal in all of baseball. He throws his changeup 27% of the time, his fastball 25% of the time, sinker 24%, and slider 22%. So extremely well balanced. And he finally ditched his curveball. And we saw what kind of uh, year he had because of that. 
So just looking at his three-year outlook in Dynasty, I see no signs of him slowing down. He has the ability to be a top 10 pitcher in all fantasy formats. And although he does lack um, what we would consider like extremely high K upside for most aces, he makes up for that with his accumulation. You know, his ability to be one of the true workhorses in all of baseball, he is extremely valuable and his value may be at an all-time high coming off the NL Cy Young. So if I'm looking for a win now pitcher, I'm pretty much holding. There's only one person I would, I would trade him for, and I don't think anyone would do it either. It'd be Corbin Burns. I feel like that's the only guy you can kind of get right now, straight up one for one. Um, Corbin's 28, Sandy's 27. If you're uh, rebuilding and you're looking for a pitcher, I would still probably hold him. Uh, Shane McClanahan might be the only guy who's 25 years old who I would think about it. But for the most part, I, I think he's somebody you can really you know build your whole team around for years to come. A win now hitter, I'm looking for like a Pete Alonzo, Mike Trout. You know, if you're stacked with pitching and someone's willing to give up, you know, Alonzo or a Trout or somewhere around that high, high caliber, I would be fine with with moving him. And then like a rebuild hitter, maybe like Wander Franco or Fernando Tatis. You know, Tatis is still 23, Franco's 21. But really, no matter where I look, I, I want to keep holding him. You know, um, I love that he's going to stay in the Marlins for a while. It's a great pitcher's park. And he's just, I mean, he's actually better than Lucas Giolito. So, you know, who would have thought that? Uh, you'll never let that down. I had, you uh, know. At least I embrace it. Pete Alonzo and Christian Javier for Sandy Alcantara. Yes or no? Um, if, I'm look, if, I'm, if I need to win now and I need a bat, I, would, I could do it. I could do that. Oh, I think I'm saying a better pitcher, though. I think I'm taking yeah. that in any scenario. I, I, yeah. I'm a big I, Javier fan. Yeah, Javier really made a leap this year. I think it's it's more if you buy into the breakout that Javier showed because if, if he continues it, this is a, a top 20 pitcher. With Sandy, I mean, the only reason why I would move on is because I do, I mean, can his value get any higher? 27 years old, coming off an NL Cy Young. I mean, it's just, you know. I don't think it can. He already, you know, he's already the most, I don't want to say durable arm, but he throws the most innings consistently. Yeah. And 228. No one really, there's only a few that even eclipse barely over 200 and he's steps above that. Mm-hmm. No, he's an incredible pitching asset. If you have him again, you're only selling him for a King's ransom. Uh, and like you said, Marty, if it's one for one, probably only Corbin Burns, I think at this point. So uh, it's the, Sandy Alcantara, I think, is one of the easier ones to talk about because he's a stone cold stud. So it's easy to to kind of figure out where you are in your dynasty format. If you're contending, you're keeping him. If you're rebuilding, you can get you can trade him off and get a lot of rebuilding pieces. Elsie, let's go to you next. You had the Atlanta Braves, and they are also stacked with a lot of studs. Basically, the two leaders for rookie of the year in the National mm-hmm. League are from the same team, which is absolutely crazy. Uh, so I know those two will be in there. A lot of other candidates. Give yeah. us your first one. Yeah, I mean, you just look. There's an embarrassment. Some of the teams I've had, I would have loved to have William Contreras or Austin Riley to talk about, uh, who are both 25 and 26, and you know, homegrown prospects, or you know, Kyle Wright, who's 27, homegrown. Mike Soroka's might be back. He's only 25. You know, they 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 have so many young guys that they develop themselves in their twenties right now. And it's that 
there's an embarrassment of riches down there. I'm going to start with a guy who maybe is a younger pitcher that you would consider in a trade for Sandy. That's uh, that's my, our boy Spencer Strider, who mm-hmm. is 20, who will be 24 years old on opening day. Strider, of course, 200 strikeouts in 131 innings pitched last year, led the league in Ks per nine by over two Ks per nine last season. Um, just just had a phenomenal rookie year. Uh, it was 131 innings, the most innings he's thrown in professional ball. Some of the concerns about his future, especially for next season in a redraft, is how many innings can you expect from him. Some push that total up to 180. He was getting, on average, about six innings per start uh, towards the end of the season. But I think conservatively, you would guess about 150 to 160. With that K rate, though, you're still going to get elite strikeouts. And uh, in the future, he could build that arm up to even more. Um, he's a slight frame guy, six foot, 195, kind of scares me. I don't like guys who don't look like they could knock over a house with the punch or something like that, you know, with those what? huge chests. I don't know. I was trying to come up with an analogy and I just yeah, ran out of no steam sense. on it. I thought you were I ran a out big of bad steam. wolf trying to blow the house I, down. I, I, I ran out of steam on that analogy. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the big bad wolf would have been much better because I was talking about like the barrel chests. But, you know, there are special guys who are who are small like that. Uh, and and sh- he certainly looks like it. One of the other concerns about him, other than possible innings, uh, is is his pitch mix. He generally throws only about two pitches, his uh, two thirds fastball and about thir- almost 30 percent on the slider. He worked the changeup in a little bit. The changeup has some nice shape to it uh, when he gets it. And if he can develop that even more, it'll be a, it could become an excellent weapon for him against left-handers. Left-handers still hit like 202 against them last year, anyways. So uh, give him more weapons. You know, what are we looking at? The next Pedro Martinez here? I have no idea. Um, uh, so the development of that changeup, I think, is is going to be crucial as he gets gets into the league, gets more exposure, gets more uh, more tape, more scouting on him. But I think at his age, he is, you know, perhaps the best young pitching prospect, you know, Shane McClanahan him in all of baseball, and his ADP is showing it this year. Um, so for me, I think that with with his outlook, he's already had a Tommy John surgery. You're not like going, is that elbow going to, is he like, are we going to have to like wait a year and a half at some point soon. Well, he's, he's already had a Tommy John. He's three years past it now. And so I think that gives him a nice window where his elbow is pretty good. His slider's awesome. He, he throws it in different shapes to get different breaks on it. Sometimes it looks more like a cutter. Sometimes it sweeps outside. I, I would want to hold him if at all I could, if he was by far the best asset I had and I, and I needed, uh, and I wanted to rebuild. I would try to hold him, uh, but someone you could be able to get some great pitching prospects, some great young guys. But for me, he's a hold. Um, yeah. Uh, what What do you guys think? You guys think there's a like? If, I don't understand why you would trade a 24 year old who just came off of that season. To me, I just I, well, I know he, Spencer Strider is really good because it makes me he, it makes me really angry how good he is and he's a Braves <laughs> uh, Braves pitcher while I'm a Mets fan. 
you you can't poke holes in what he did like to put to like poking holes in, in his season is like all conceptual stuff it's like okay he's a two-pitch pitcher does it matter if both pitchers are as elite as they were does he need a change up if both pitches are like among the most valuable pitches of their types in the sport and like and the other thing is his size like his archetype of pitcher doesn't exist he he is he's a unicorn like there's no one his size throwing the way he does so the question is is he going to break like that's that's really the the only con- real concern there is i think this was the the guy the that thing for me is the inning yeah i mean this was the the guy that set the major league record for fewest innings to get to 200 strikeouts which is an insane feat in this day and age to be able to get to and mm-hmm. he's got the overpowering fastball and if you have two pitches that can blow hitters away we've seen it with Tyler Glass now and uh Christian Javier has been going the same route uh, if you have a fastball slider combination that is just that dirty, like you don't need a third pitch, but those two pitches have to be really good. And like Schwebzy said, I think at this point, it's a matter of if you think he breaks down as opposed to his actual stuff. But that's the question in terms of one, obviously this isn't a redraft show in redraft. He's going pick 36. Uh, that, that's a pretty rich investment you have to make in a dynasty. Mm-hmm. Is it fair to say that this is the, highest he could be valued because if he has one year next year where he misses half the season and has like elbow trouble then i think everybody's going to be scared of him yeah i think that's right i mean you look at like we like like shrebs was saying you got tim lincecum's a slight guy he was he had a few good seasons then he was done he couldn't pitch anymore pedro is a hall of fame career he seems like a slight guy other than that i'm i'm trying to think of power pitchers who are not Chris Sale big. had a couple good years, but it's broken down. But he's pretty, six six. That's yeah. different, though. He's 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 I'll got a strider. huge six foot, six oh. even. He's uh he's yeah. currently projected next year for a uh, steamer has him for one hundred and fifty four innings. I think that's solid for next year. I think trying. I think him trying to push for one eighty, especially with the team. I, I hopefully they have the depth where he doesn't have to go that much. So, but that's uh, fair. Obviously he like had to get stretched out, but like on over, over the course of his 20 starts, he averaged like 16 outs. So five and a third. Will you feel like if he stays healthy all year and he's given you like five to six innings, most starts with the type of strike, like he's worth uh, picking the thirties this for redraft this year. I don't, I don't know if I want a pitcher who's only going to throw 150 innings in the third round. Could be your Fourth ace round. if you go hitter hitter. He'd be your ace. Yeah, I mean it's it's similar to the Degrom argument, right? Yeah. It's just yeah. he's he is currently less broken than Degrom is over the past couple of years. Like, but yeah. other than that, it's the same argument. That's a good point. Um, let's move on to the the Washington Nationals, who to me they feel like the the teenage boy that has a bunch of zits on their face. Like they're very ugly. Their major league roster. There's nothing nice you can say about them. It's just very, very ugly going through it. There's a few guys on their team that we could be hopeful for, but with the combination of how they develop their prospects and then at the major league level, they just seem very incompetent. They're hitting and pitching coaches. I don't know how to analyze these guys for for Dynasty. They're obviously, I think, at their lowest. Mackenzie Gore, C.J. Abrams are two of the ones I'm going to talk about. Um, But 
honestly, Mackenzie Gore, the first one, it's a tale of two seasons for him because this was a guy that if you look in the beginning of the season, he went had a 150 ERA, 220 FIP, and a 10.6K per nine in his first nine starts. After that, his final 22 innings before he ended up going on the shelf pretty much the rest of the season, ERA above 11, the K per nine dropped to just over six. And I want to credit uh, Matt Heckman from Fantrax because uh, this was, I mean, he put out there. Uh, this was, uh, he basically, when he was throwing to lefties, he only relied on two pitches, fastball and a slider. And the slider, he could not get them out with two strikes. He would end up leaving his slider over the middle. And if you look at the heat maps, you'll see that too. And the lefties would just foul them off until he basically leave one fat and they would take advantage of it. Uh, and just the slider in general, uh, uh, he had a 48% two strike chase rate and a 35.7 whiff rate against uh, righties and did not do anything against lefties. As I mentioned, overall, a 31.9% whiff rate on your slider. That needs to be a lot better next year. Uh, the curveball, 31.9% whiff rate. He needs to be able to have out pitches that are getting people out, and that's not the case right now. And his curveball is great, but when that's not going, his slider can't put people away. His fastball is not great right now, 264 expected batting average. Uh, obviously, you don't get tons of whiff always with your fastball, but an 18.7% whiff rate is definitely not getting the job done either. If you look across the board, everything, ground ball percentages were awful. Fly ball and line drive rates were above league average. It's a question of can the Nationals fix him and have him be someone that's consistent, and this is not the organization to do it. If I have Mackenzie Gore, I am not optimistic right now for Dynasty with his current situation that he is going to be someone that pays off for me. If I have Mackenzie Gore and somebody still is invested in the name, I think I'm selling personally. Uh, unless, again, he gets traded to a team like the Guardians or gets traded to a team like the Brewers or a team where I feel like, or the Marlins, that could tinker with him a little bit and actually give him the right results. This isn't the team for it. Uh, I'm interested in what you guys think because obviously he's probably somebody right now that doesn't have a, like, I don't think he's viewed as a huge dynasty asset anymore, but there could be people that might want to bite on the name. I actually traded him away in a dynasty league this year at the, at the start of the 2022 season. And I'm trying to pull up that trade so I can see exactly what it was. But there was a moment in spring training where it's like, Oh man, it's happening. Gore's putting it together. Mm -hmm. And that's when I immediately traded him because I was like, no, no way, not with his recent history. But honestly, I thought he had a better year than he had. I I was just looking at his savant page while you were talking and I was like shocked at how underwhelming it was. Mm -hmm. And you touched on this. The Nationals aren't good at player development. They're just not. It f- it's weird to say about the team that developed, you know, Strasburg, Soto, Harper, et cetera, et cetera. But like, if it seems like anybody who's not absolutely can't miss, they seem to bungle it. And mm-hmm. I, I don't really trust them to actually turn a project into a complete player. Yeah. And we talked about this on a call before that all these guys were number one picks or guys that basically were so talented. The nationals couldn't ruin them because of how just overall talented they are. And we were talking about that with Elijah green and that he, he's probably going to be able to be good enough to overcome them, but it definitely raises questions about his profile. And like, if you had a track record of anybody that, you know, outside of like Juan Soto, who wasn't a super high draft pick that just completely blossomed. 
I mean, you look across the board. I, I'm very nervous about Cade Cavalli, who's on this major league roster. Kyber Ruiz is pretty much flatlined. Same with Josiah Gray. Obviously, you look at uh, Carter Keyboom has been arguably one of the biggest busts in terms of prospects that were ranked in like the top 20 to, to where he is now, who shouldn't even be in the major leagues. It's just there's no promising things there. And that's where I get very nervous with, like you said, a project. That's a good way to put it. And someone that's already had a lot of arm troubles. If you can get off by the name, I think you have to try to sell him now because I think it just gets worse. You want There's some also eye? no sense of direction for the franchise. Like they're talking about the learners selling the team. So like if you're if your owners aren't committed, then I think that speaks volume. You know, it, it all starts at the top, and they're a very dysfunctional organization right now. What were you gonna say, Schwebzy? Uh, if you want some delicious irony, I traded Mackenzie Gore and Joe Ryan for a player who at the time was a top 10 prospect at the start of last year. That player, C.J. Abrams. <laughs> oh, the irony. Oh, man. Well, we'll talk about him in a second and get our, our thoughts on him. Let's go. We'll go round two here. We always first player always takes a little longer and then we'll we shorten him as we go along here. So round two next player for the Mets Schwebzy is who? I'm going to go with the the elephant in the room, the polar bear in the room, Pete Alonso. This is a, this is an easy one. He's he's the youngest regular in the lineup. He's the I, I don't want to call it the best hitter when Francisco Lindor is a well. He, he is the best hitter. Francisco Lindor is a more well rounded player, but I, I do firmly believe that Alonso is the best hitter in the lineup when you uh, take power into account. He's just he's gotten better and better every year that he's been in the league. I don't know if that trend will continue because it's hard to get much better than he is right now. But I mean, do you, does anyone, is there anybody who's more likely to hit 40 home runs in a season? Like maybe Aaron judge. That's probably like outside of judge. No, maybe Vlad. No. I'll, I'll take, I'll take Jordan. I'll take polar bear number two. Yeah. It's a short list. And Alonso has short up holes in his swings. He's striking out. He, he's currently on a three-year trend of striking out less year over year. This year, uh, you know, watching all the games, I there was a, a an obvious effort to take the ball to the opposite field more often. He hit a lot more singles that way, and it helped his batting average. He he put up a the the best BABIP since his rookie year, which you know that thing that that can ebb and flow. But I I don't think it what looked like could have been uh, he could have been a batting average sink you know, in his second year has, that hasn't been the case at all. He's hit at least 260 in every other year of his career, which is above league average at this point. Uh, I mean, I would say he's, he's top two at his position because I'm not personally banking on, I wouldn't bank on Goldschmidt to have another MVP year just because that was like a 99th percentile outcome for him. You know, he, he could do it again, but I, I would not bet on that. I, I did a mock draft with the pitcherless people recently and I'm drafting first and thinking this is great. I get to be a homer. And when it gets back to me in the second, third turn, I'll take like Pete Alonso and Francisco, Francisco Lindor. Pete Alonso went 13th. Like he's really good. He's, he's, you know, if you want yeah. power there, there are very few better bets. Let me ask you this um, dynasty moving forward. Do you want Pete Alonso or uh Vlad? Vlad. Okay. Just want to make sure. Yeah. I mean, Vlad, he, the, the bats of ball skills is just so much better. Like, I mean, 
Pete has closed the gap some, but you know, Vlad is an otherworldly talent. He really is. I, I, Pete Alonso, I think last year you were getting him in like the three, four turn and he yeah. was just phenomenal there. Uh, and he's, he's one of the few players that you would draft him and then he would just basically take care of a lot of power for you. So like you could draft for other needs, you draft him and then you're like, I already got a great power base. Now I, I don't have to chase it. One of the few players that you could do that with uh, just an incredible player. And he just seems like he's getting better and better too, which is the scary part. Yeah, And something that I've talked about a lot already this year and we'll continue to talk about, there's a league wide trend down in power and I don't see it changing because the league wants less power. You, I mean, I'm sure you guys saw the report that came out today that the uh, the the balls are still depressed, except when MLB wants them to not be. The Goldilocks balls. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. So I, I, it, it feels like this trend is here to stay. Uh, I, I looked into it, and historically, every time there's been a big drop in home runs, the next year there was a massive increase. Yeah. Because I, I maybe they were playing with the ball. I, I don't know. But I don't think that's going to happen this time around. I, I've, it just because of the rule changes that are being made, the things that the people in the league office are saying, I, I feel pretty strongly that we're going to see another depressed home run environment. So a almost guaranteed 40 home runs is huge. Man, MLB needs to stop playing with their balls, man. Like it's it's unbelievable. It's unseemly. Yes, exactly. It, what other sport does that? That's, I mean, we could get in a whole other topic about it because, as always, it, yeah. usually baseball doesn't. Tom Brady baseball. apparently does it. Tom Brady he def- apparently <laughs> he deflates his balls. MLB just juggles them, so it, it's it's very uh, very different. I don't know if that'll ever change. Doc, let's go to you next. Let's talk about your next player for the uh, Philadelphia Phillies. So I'm gonna talk about Bryce Harper and David. How old is he? Thirty. Ah, good. I knew you knew that from last week's episode. Yep. So with Bryce Harper, I think you want to gauge the market. He's in an interesting situation because we don't know what his recovery is going to be like from Tommy John surgery. It's something that we don't see many hitters get. I think the last one was Otani, but once again, he pitches also. So I think you have to gauge whatever the owner has, because if he's out till July and the owner is tanking, you could get him at a reduced cost and hopefully he's going to be healthy. Um, it kind of seemed like he had his injury prone years early with the nationals. He was really aggressive um, and kind of didn't t- take care of his body in the best way, fielding wise and hitting wise. There's also the DH and the NL, which can prolong his career. But I mean, you look at some of the metrics, he's in the 88th percentile of hard hit percentage, average exit velocity, 92 barrel percentage, 88th. He has a great walk percentage. It's 14.3 for his career. And he's even gotten a little bit of uh, speed on the base pass. He had 11 stolen bases in 99 games last year. He's really just blossomed into a good hitter. You know, I think he he showed his peak early with the Nationals, and there was some concern that he wasn't going to be the star that he was hyped up to and that comparing him to Trout was foolish. And now he's aged really well. So I think it's kind of tough to gauge where his value is. I think if the owner is tanking, I would try offering someone like Teoscar Hernandez and maybe – you know, a, a sweetener. Uh, Tasker Hernandez is a, li- is a little bit younger. Maybe is viewed as a better rebuilding piece. Um, I would try giving up Logan Gilbert one for one. Uh, you guys know how I feel about Logan Gilbert. Maybe if somebody wants a young pitching arm, uh, but I think his, his value is a little bit tougher to gauge until we get a clear recovery on his timeline. Yeah, 
that's the that's the very interesting part. A long term in dynasty, I don't think that's going to affect him too much. Redraft, obviously, he's dropping to like the middle rounds. I know in our best ball, I think he's still available in the tenth round coming up. So like, it's very interesting to see for redraft this year. But I think I feel like in dynasty, he's still a safe asset. I think his skills are still safe for another few years. He's obviously still an absolute study. Hit near four hundred in the playoffs last year with a, a bad elbow. Uh, would you rank him at the top of your guy's head? Would you rank him as a top ten outfielder in dynasty? Yeah, I'd say probably nine ten. Currently, he's my ninth, so he just squeaks in there. He's in between uh, Mookie Betts. I have a little bit before him and then it drops off a little bit and then um oh yeah in between bets and trout yeah somewhere in the seven to nine range feels right for him yeah all right well bryce harper still an absolute stud and uh again i think in, in dynasty don't be too concerned about what's going on right now for this season marty let's go to ubex let's talk about the uh miami marlins and the next player that you think is worth talking about for dynasty yeah, so one of my most favorite players in all bases, uh, baseball, Jazz Chisholm. So Jazz Chisholm Jr., 24 years old, all-star second baseman. Uh, the biggest thing's going to be for him is his injuries. So he's shown you know, the, uh, the tendency to be injured here. Stress fracture in his lower back. And I did some, uh, some like, web MD digging here, and I got absolutely nothing out of whether stress fractures in lower backs are uh, reoccurring typically. Um, I couldn't figure it out with my 10 minutes of Googling. So, uh, but on top of that, he had a torn meniscus. So uh, a smaller frame guy, he's trying to put on as much mu- muscle as possible. And we're seeing this kind of wearing him down. Uh, but last year in 241 plate appearances, uh, he slashed 254, 325 with a 535 um, OPS, 14 home runs, 12 steals. And this is the third year in a row that he decreased his strikeout percentage. So he's getting smarter. He's getting a better eye out on the plate. He continued to improve hitting off speed and breaking balls. So it's not just he's connecting with fastballs like he did earlier in his career. He's actually improving, you know, his full hit tool. Now looking at a three-year outlook, and especially in Dynasty, um, it comes down to whether or not you believe he can stay healthy. I am in the belief that um, there's no such thing as someone being injury prone unless they have a chronic condition. Um, as of right now, these are just one-off injuries. I mean, a torn meniscus, mm-hmm. a fracture in his lower back, just um, you know, things that just kind of pop up with with high usage of a player. He's still super young. Um, he has all the tools that probably be the best second baseman in all of fantasy for years to come. It's a very shallow position. Roto leagues, he's an absolute stud if he does stay uh, stay healthy, and if he does get traded, he could even be more valuable. You know, get him out of the Marlins park you know, and get him into a more hitter-friendly environment with a better team around him. I mean, he could be even better than he is now. So if I'm looking for, for like, trade scenarios, a win-now pitcher, I would go I would go after, like, a Brandon Woodruff. He's 30, 30 years old. Uh, I mm-hmm. feel like there's a lot of uh, – there's still some meat on the bone with him. You'll have him for another two, three years, Woodruff, and I, I think Jazz could lay the foundation for whoever's rebuilding, you know, to be a stud in their offense for a long time. Looking for a rebuilt pitcher, Alec Manoa. They're both 24 years old. The when you guys have an opportunity, go check out uh, Manoa's um, steamer projections. Like they're the ERA is north of four, and like steamer hates him. I don't know. Wow. Maybe, yeah, dude, it's pretty wild. So um, there's some homework for our listeners there if you want to have a good lap. Um, steamer's completely out on Manoa. Uh, a win now hitter. I'm um, I'm holding him. 
You know, I, I don't think unless you're looking for like a specific position, even though second base is the most shallow. So that's another reason to hold on to him. But maybe a Matt Olson, you know, if we need some extra pop and someone a little bit less, um, you know, injury prone. Or I know we've talked about Frankie uh, Francisco Lindor a few times, you know, as a shortstop. So maybe him. But really, when now hitter, I'm just going to hold on to Jazz. And then a rebuild hitter. Again, I probably just hold him unless you can get like who stuck out to me and let me know what you think. Adley Rutschman. You know, get a young catcher you can keep for years. I think he's a lot safer in that sense. Yeah, I'd rather have Adley. Yeah, so I think it would just come down to – what do you think, Doc? Marty, I'm at a loss of words for how high you're valuing Jazz Chisholm. He needs to hire you in his PR. I mean, you're just Mm -hmm. fluffing him up for like a good 20 games that we've seen him. Yeah. There's one thing thing I'll never forget about Jazz Chisholm – there, uh, he was facing Jake Degrom in one plate appearance, and Degrom threw a top of the strike zone, hundred one mile an hour fastball, and Jazz pulled it for just an absolute nuke of a home run. Yep. No one does that. No one does that. It's it, he's, uh, he's a pretty unique talent. It, it is really just about him staying on the field. If he can stay healthy, he's going to be one of the best fantasy players in all of baseball, especially at that position. How long has he been in the in the league though? Two years. Yeah, and he's already an all-star. Yeah, and how many he's, of those has he been healthy? Maybe like a combined like year. And that's why I let off with unless you have a chronic condition that it's going to be reoccurring. I can't believe that he's just injury prone. Jeff Zimmerman has done tons of research on this. And that for somebody to be injury prone for more than three years in a row, only six percent of all players do that. So I mean it could uh, be what, so what about Byron wrong. Buxton? Byron well, Buxton. I mean, I think we'd all agree he's in that top, probably that top five percent of players that do consistently get injured. You know who I'm used to be injury prone? Trey Turner. Bryce Harper. Oh, good point. Yeah. Now, now we look at him as you know all reliable. That's I want true. a larger sample size because we see sometimes, and I'm not saying that he he's compared to this person because this is an old pitcher that isn't nearly in the same skill set. But pitchers automatically get. Josh Fogg was known as the Dragon Slayer. Just doing <laughs> things that people couldn't do. Taking down big pitchers one after one. That's right. So, but did Fogg have those gold get chains and blue hair, though? That's the question. The answer is no. But no, um, that's what I said. That's what it really comes down to, whether or not the dynasty owner in your league, if he believes he is injury prone, yeah, you can probably get him for pennies on the dollar. But if you look at his raw skills and what he's been able to do in the small amount of time he's been on the field, and he's still... Four years from now, he'll be 28 years old, and he could still be in his prime. Like the, the ceiling of him is unbelievable, and that's what we got to focus on for dynasty. If it's redraft, then yeah, I mean, probably move on from him. But for what he has right now, he could be amazing for a long time to come here. Is the Jazz Chisholm Zach Gallon trade the equivalent of the Stefan Diggs Justin Jefferson trade for football, where everybody pretty much really benefits? I feel like it's pretty similar. I don't, I don't know from football that way. Oh, Marty. I don't, I don't. <laughs> it's it's, it's uh, yeah. Schwebzy knew. Schwebzy gave me the the. Oh, I can see it. But yeah, I, I, it's just very rare you see a trade go down, especially with, for a, a pitcher for a hitter, and they both end up looking like it works out for the teams. Well, let let me ask the room: Is there a second baseman you would rather have for the next five years? Let me look. Such a Real shallow life or, position. Or fantasy baseball. Fantasy, fantasy, of course. Amazing, uh, Albies. No, I, I, I don't know, dude. Albies, Albies really struggled uh, switch hitting last yeah. year. 
they look at like almost like they could platoon him against uh I, I want to say he struggled against lefties and they could platoon I have to look up his baseball savant page but I, I he's actually someone I'm a little lower on obviously and also he's been hurt too um uh if Bobachet gets moved to second like Marty hinted the the Blue Jays want him too um and if that's the case then yeah I'd rather have Bo um I feel like there's not a lot of good second basemen, so you might there have aren't. So it's, you know, his high draft spot right now is both a function of his talent and his position. So last year, Ozzy, Al- I mean, yeah, I mean, he very small sample size, uh, had pretty, his homers were pretty split 250 versus 245 average. I want to say somewhere I did read that he was struggling, uh, and they were platooning him against right-handed pitching, but I have to look into that. Albies was hurt to the point that they had him switch hitting like from the same, like, like he stopped switch hitting. He was just hitting from the same side against everybody for a little while. Okay. That's what it was. Yeah. I, I give me, I think give me jazz. I, I would be more tantalized with that upside. Um, LC, let's go to you next. No, we're, this is actually a lot of good discussion, but I don't want to keep Schwebzy here all night. Uh, so LC, let's go and talk about the next player for the Atlanta Braves. What can we expect? What do you get with this player? So I, Michael Harris, uh, rook, rookie last year, 19 home runs, 20 stolen bases, and just over 400 plate appearances. Just came and took the league by storm, was league winner for a lot of teams. I want to break him down a little bit, though. When you look at Harris and you look at his profile as a, as a hitter, his zone contact rate is pretty elite 87 and a half percent that's that's in the definitely the top 30 or 40 of of all of all players who had as many plate appearances as him he swings out of the zone a lot though he has almost a 40 percent o swing rate which was the 12th highest among the 205 uh, players who had at least 400 plate appearances last year um now that was his first taste uh, he, he could, that could come back down a little bit, but there are definitely players who, um, who have a high O swing that, that, uh, that still produce guys like Bryce Harper, for example. Um, one thing I do think that there is a little bit of, uh, hesitation on for me is, uh, is that his, uh, home run per fly ball was very high last year in his rookie season, 22, 23% in 2022, which is over double, twice league average and over twice what he was doing in the minor leagues. Now people often grow into their power and maybe that's what he's doing, but that was a jump that, uh, that I don't think w- was forecastable to have a 22% home run per fly ball rate because I cannot stress this enough. He does not hit a lot of fly balls. He hits a lot of ground balls. So he has to maintain that elite home run per fly ball to give you the power that he put out first season. So I think in the future, what we might want to temper our expectations on Harris are his power, our power expectations for him in the future. Everyone else had trouble hitting home runs. All of a sudden Harris is hitting home runs at a better rate than ever. Um, I think it's possible that home run for fly ball is going to go down. And if that long changle doesn't come up with, uh, with that lowering mm-hmm. the total home run percentage is gonna, is gonna be bad. Our outlook, my outlook for him. I don't know. But 
I don't, I don't know what you want me to say. Um, I think he's definitely <laughs> his defensive metrics and his speed mean make him an elite center fielder. So he's always going to be out there. Uh, but temper your expectations on that power. I think um, he's he, this. It's possible that this is his best, uh, highest g- dynasty point. At 22 years old, it's hard to pr- project what you're going to see from him in the future. But uh, but the power, I think, uh, w- will not be there in necessarily the same rate that it was until he starts to become a more consistent uh, launch angle with that and hit less ground balls. Yeah, I think that's the big point with how many ground balls he hit last year. The power is into question. The defense isn't into question, and neither is his ability to make contact. But that's, I think, the biggest thing. Going into next year, maybe he did his peak with the power he had and and the performance he did. Uh, I think he's a very interesting player for Dynasty, but he's so young. I think unless you're getting offered a crazy amount for him and selling high, then I don't think you're like actively looking to trade him. So I know I keep saying things like this today, but Harris came to the majors with 14 career minor league home runs. Mm-hmm. And that's in what 600 says 700, 800 plate appearances. And then he hit 19 and 440 in the majors as a 21 year old. People mm-hmm. don't do that. That just doesn't happen. Like it's, I, I, he'd have to maintain, like you said, a crazy home run to fly ball ratio to keep those power mm-hmm. numbers up. And he'd also have to maintain a stupid high Babbitt to maintain that batting average. So I think other than the speed, we're likely to see a drop across the board from his stats next year. Yeah. I, I mean, so at, at this point you think Schwebzi is, you should kind of look to sell high on Michael Harris because right now I think people view him as one of the top dynasty assets in the game. I would be. Actually, that reminds me. I have him in a dynasty league. I need to try to trade him this Ooh, offseason. Yeah. If you trade him, you got to make sure you tag us and uh, let us know what the trade is because that'd be a uh, it's, top. A, it's in a league full of Braves fans, too. This is perfect. Ooh, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Gold. Uh, I'll be really quick here. CJ Abrams is the next Nationals player. I think that this is how I view CJ Abrams. He's on a team that's going to arguably be the worst in baseball. They're, they're in, actually, I think the draft lottery already happened today but they uh he, he's going to be an accumulator next year i don't know if i see cj abrams as a player that's going to be an all-star or like i think he's going to take time to really become an effective everyday player right now he's projected uh to get a 267 average um, let me pull up uh the projection there so steamer projects him next year 267 307 396 slash 11 homers and 56 rbis with 17 steals that would be something I think is one of the more outlandish projections. And I think, again, going to be more closer to somewhat of an accumulator. So I, there's a lot of stuff when you look into his profile. Uh, obviously, one of the things he really has to improve on is getting better against breaking pitches. Hit 173 against breaking pitches last year. Still putting the ball on the ground too much over a 52% ground ball percentage. And... Ultimately, I just think he has to do a better job of just making consistent hard contact, a 30.7% hard contact rate. Does not strike out a lot, which is a good thing going for him, a 16.6% K rate. And that was something he showed a lot in the minors too. Uh, This is a guy he probably could hit closer to the top of the order for Nats and accumulate a lot of stuff. I just don't know if he's going to ever hit that ceiling 
that we expected of him. He's had obviously a lot of time in the major leagues to to get acclimated at this point. Uh, so I, I'm I'm a little skeptical that he turns into the the stone cold stud that we're hoping he is, and just turns into a a corner infielder or, or just sorry a middle infielder for your dynasty team is just someone that could kind of just put up some stats and just kind of be a placement there, but not anything spectacular. But I, I think that ultimately how I view him, I, I don't know if you guys view it differently. I just feel like at this point he's had enough time to, to show us glimpses and I haven't seen it yet. Can, what, what major league comp do you think he has? Is he like a Jose Iglesias? I think with he's better Jose than Jose Iglesias with speed? Uh, I mean, definitely not that batting average of Jose Iglesias because Iglesias' career batting average is actually decent. It's like near it's probably like two two eighty. I have to double check. He's he a good um, bats ball guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's why I started. I, I'm I'm not I'm not a projections guy. So when I see a guy like Abrams yeah. and his like he's got such a great skill set, but he can't like get the numbers out of that skill set. So I just I struggle with with figuring out where to put him. There's somebody out there that's a really good comparison. I just can't can't think Cesar of Hernandez when you said accumulator. <laughs> <laughs> that, that could be one uh, I'm going to think about that question I, I, do, do any of you guys feel differently about him do, are you guys higher on him if you have him in Dynasty do you think uh, 279 I, I can't believe I almost nailed that I, that was off the top of that um, is there anybody like that feels like he's a Dynasty buy at this point I think he's I think he's last year's trash type of buy. You could he's a good if if you can get like some asset swaps. I I liked him coming into last season, and you know he's very young. I I'm I I would give him a chance because he he did show good pop, good good exit velocity on that swing. There's a chance that he could be able to to get I think ten to fifteen home run power in his swing. I think this is the good a good kind Wait of a prospect to trade for because he's going to get all the opportunity mm-hmm. he can handle. So if nothing else, we'll at least get to find out for sure whether he's worth anything right now. Who's I, I don't know why I can't remember his name at the top of my who is the Angels shortstop? Um that had one all star season. And uh Sean Figgins. No, no, no. Very good defensively. Fletcher? Andrelton no, Simmons. Thank yeah. you. Andrelton Simmons. Oh, oh, oh. What about Andrelton Simmons? A little, little bit more. So speed, you would trade away Andrelton Simmons this young? I'm just saying, like, it, it could that be like he had a couple good seasons, but for the most part, I feel like he was somebody that I'm obviously Andrelton's defense was phenomenal, but like on the offensive side of the ball, I'd be interested to see. I know he struck out a little. I, I, I'm going to pull up Andrelton Simmons stats really quick. I mean, he had a good, good contact rate. Um, no strikeout but, rates. It actually, it's, it's not bad really. Yeah. Uh, look at it's, this. I, I think that we have something here with the uh, Abrams is Abrams okay. has that 80 grade speed, which in fantasy may be the great equalizer and make him valuable no matter what. So Andrelton Simmons, amazing K rates. Uh, Always. If you look across the board up really until 2021, he was basically in the top 10% of the league in terms of lowest strikeout rates, never walked a ton. CJ Abrams on the other hand, throughout the minor leagues, 
struck out only above 20% in one time, and that was Triple uh, A with the Nationals. But all, the walk rates are all pretty much sub 10% too, except for in 2019. Like, makes um, contact, doesn't strike out a lot. Seems like he, uh, you know, swings a lot, but he is able to. Uh, he probably has a little bit more speed than Simmons. Simmons, I don't know what his stolen bases are at the top of my head. I have to look that up. But uh, maybe this is kind of what we could project from him uh, with that type. I mean, the ground ball percentages are high, too. Andrelton Simmons, every single year, above league average ground ball percentage, like consistently. So Andrelton Simmons with speed. Yes, we're going to make that a thing. That's You're here first. That, that was good teamwork. All right, let's go lightning round. Third round here. Uh, let's try to get this last round done in under 10 minutes here, starting with Schwebzy with the third Mets player. Sure. So uh, I actually feel, uh, well, I'm going to talk about Brett Beatty. I feel very similarly to Beatty that I do Alvarez, except I think Beatty will get more opportunity this year. And mm-hmm. also I was more impressed. I was more impressed by Beatty's initial call up. So Alvarez, when he came up, he came up for a really important Braves series towards the end of the year because the DH spot was miserable for the Mets, and you could tell he was swinging out of his shoes and trying so hard, whereas Beatty had a little more chance to breathe, and he looked good. The numbers don't really show it, and my concerns showed. Uh, I'm a little bit worried that it's another Alec Bohm situation where the skills are great, but he just can't lift the ball in the air, but Alec Bohm only has like half a season of demonstrating he can lift the ball. Whereas Beatty's done it a few times now, you know, between various like winter leagues and minor league seasons, he's shown the ability to drive the ball and he put out elite exit velos when he was with the Mets this year. So they're in a similar situation where they're blocked by an expensive veteran. I think it's more likely that Eduardo Escobar goes into a utility role than it is that the Mets bench like James McCann or give Alvarez the DH job. So I, I think it's more likely that Beatty sees like 300 plus plate appearances than Alvarez does. This is going to be a hot take, but I, I have Beatty at like 18 on my dynasty third base rankings, which is it's high. I know, but I w- he's being drafted at like, uh, God, what was it? 38th right now among third basemen. And I'll double check that for you. Yeah, with like the long-term outlook, I would leapfrog him over so many of the guys in front of him. Uh, this, you know, maybe I'm being a homer. You're 39, you're right, yeah, like right in that range. Yeah. Uh, it's really, I, I think the floor for him is is like Alec Bohm-esque, maybe with a couple more strikeouts, but he's got the upside of just hitting monster tanks with his great exit velo. Uh, the ground ball rates were way too high in his initial exposure but I'm I'm really high on his long-term outlook. It was only 40 plate appearances. He still hit a couple of home runs. I'm excited for this year. Do you think the Mets give him ample opportunity if he struggles? Like, do you think he has that longer leash where they don't have guys ready to take a spot if needed? I don't think he has a leash, no. I think he needs to succeed in spring training to have a role on opening day. And I, I think if he goes through like a three or four week slump, he gets sent to the minors. So it, there's risk there. there mm-hmm. There's definite risk there for say drafting him. But if you do already have him, I would not be looking to, you know, move him. Brett Beatty from the Mets fan himself says, if you have him, hold him, do not hold him tight. Do not let him go. Uh, I can dig it. He looked good in the limited sample size. We saw, I remember first, was it first at bat? He had a home run. 
oh god he got the juiciest hanger in the world and and <laughs> unloaded on it it was a terrible terrible pitch but we'll still take those <laughs> i love it yeah so doc last player for the phillies give us the cliff notes version aaron nola aaron no luck in dynasty i mean you're holding 29 years old he doesn't throw fast. Tops out his uh, average fastball velocity is about 92.8, but he throws five pitches and he f- mixes them up between a fastball, a curve, sinker, change, and cutter. Um, the one thing about Aaron Nola is he has been prone to have bad stretches. 2021, um, when you look at May, he had a 4.55 ERA. June, he had a 6 ERA. August, he had a 4.28. September, October, 6.19. And those are all 27 innings at least. Then we when we look at last year, March and April, he had a 390 RA, and in August he had a 422. Um, so it can get a little bit frustrating Aaron owning Aaron Nola in those stretches. And if you've owned him before, you know that. Um, but I this is why I say you hold, and I want to give Rob Silver credit for this when at uh F Pass talking about chasing wins, and he's gonna be on a good team that gives him run support. The last four full seasons, he's thrown at least 180 innings. He gets to face the Marlins and Nats a decent amount. And he's actually been someone that's had no luck in terms of wins. He hasn't had a winning season since 2019. He won 11 and 13 last year, nine and nine the year before, five and five in 20, uh, in 2020. But when you look prior to that, 12 and seven, 17 and six, 12 and 11. So I think regression is coming for wins. And that's why I think you hold him. Doc, are for the people out there that say the every other year narrative for Aaron Nola, 2017, 354 ERA, 2018, 237, 2019, 387, 2020, 328, 2021, 463, 2022, 325. He's literally alternated every year of good and, and bad ERAs for him. Are, are you at any point? So when you look at that 2021, his. So I actually did see that, but that four six three ERA year, his expected ERA was three point three five. Yeah, I mean, obviously, so, I'm like it's like a tongue in cheek yeah, thing, it but it's it's definitely been a pattern yeah, but, for him. I mean, David, you know me, I'm. You're what? I've owned him in the past, and he's very frustrating. He is, but I mean, the one thing last year he threw over 200 innings. One of the few pitchers that was able to do that. Obviously, just across the board, does everything amazingly well. I mean, a Statcast page you need sunglasses for because of how red and bright it is. Uh, I mean, doesn't give up a lot of hard contact. Strikeouts are at an elite rate. Chase rate is phenomenal. Uh, he's just, and he does that every year. Like Doc said, if if he has a bad year, it's usually because of bad peripheral. Like in terms of. Just like, you know, whether it's a high BABIP, whether it's just like, you know, uh, left on base percentage is lower than league average. Uh, You know, all the expected stats show that he should be better than he is. But it's just he's very just like he's not consistently start to start what you want. He has those blow up outings and and sometimes that makes you pull your hair out. Um, I think he is what he is, right? There's no Aaron Nola regression. Aaron Nola takes the next step. I think we know what he is at this point. I think his stats get worse, but the the huge expected boost in wins ultimately keeps his value up a little bit. Fair enough. Then, uh, Marty, let's go to you and let's go into the last Marlins player you have on the sheet. 
All right, Jesus Lazardo, 25-year-old lefty, really weird start to his career. Um, really big prospect coming in. He he, um, he pitches pretty well, but then he breaks his uh, pinky <laughs> playing video games because he got mad he lost. Uh, then last year he comes back, has a couple good starts, and then he gets a forearm strain in May, which was supposed to only take him out for like a couple weeks. And next thing you know, he was on the 60-day IL. So uh, very weird beginning to um, that year. But when he returned, he was lights out. Over those 71.1 innings, he had 79 strikeouts and only 19 walks, 3.03 ERA and a 0.98 whip. When we see these um, these uh, small stretches of really good pitching, we got to ask, is this something that is just a flash in the pan or is, is he doing something that's sustainable? So looking at across his whole arsenal, he improved his effectiveness on the four-seamer, the sinker, and changeup. And his worst pitch in terms of run value was his curveball, but it was actually really good to get uh, opponents out. He had the opponents only had one point or a 157 uh, batting average against, and he had a 44.5 K percentage with his uh, with his curveball. So everything was really clicking for him there. And maybe most importantly, we saw a huge uptick in his velocity uh, with that better control. So looking at his three year outlook, it's going to be. It could go many ways, and we don't know. We're going to have to see this year who he is because he could be one of the best young pitchers in baseball, or he could go back to being you know, uh, you know, injury-prone here and then uh, being inconsistent. So uh, if you're looking for like a win-now pitcher, and this, this is assuming that someone believes in him long-term and, and you need the win this year, I'm looking for like a Max Scherzer or like a U Darvish, you know, someone where you can just squeeze out a little bit of them, you know, have, have an ace for this year. If you're looking to rebuild, I would hold on to Lazardo because this time next year he could be, you know, he could be worth tons. Um, he might be so good that you might want to keep him. And then like a win now hitter, a Reese Hoskins who's 29 years old, or a Trevor Story who's 30 years old. I think that's a that's a fair window. And then a rebuild hitter like a Jose Miranda or um, Andres Jimenez. Okay, I like it. Lazardo is the ultimate grab bag in terms of what he's been so far, and definitely has shown potential. So we. Hope for that for him. Elsie, again, same thing. Cliff Notes version on your last player. Ronald Acuna is pretty good. Uh, that's that. That's the Cliff Notes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he had a he had a down year power this year. It looks like it looks like there's a, there's a really a fantastic article on Fangraphs by Esteban Rivera. I recommend everyone read it. It came out at the end of November, talking about how his swing path changed last year. <clears throat> And how that could have been due to uh, injury recovery. Uh, of course, the market believes that it is going to come. Everyone believes it. I do too. I think you hold them. I don't think there's anything to worry about this uh, 30 30 machine as long as he's healthy all next year. So you would say that that's what you're getting with him? Yeah, that's what you're getting with him. Ah! Yeah! So Schwabzi, every week we're getting nervous. You're getting nervous. Okay. What was that? Every week we try to uh, find something that art says consistently and we wait for him to say it. And then we, that's the secret word of the week. That's good. Uh, Yeah. I forgot we were talking about. It's not important anymore. Ronald Acuna is good. Finish things out. Kyber Ruiz catcher. Does not strike out. Contact is at insane rate. Uh, just kind of very average across the board in terms of catcher goes. I, I want to just end it with a question to you guys. 
just the top of the dome, where would you rank Kyber Ruiz in terms of catchers for fantasy for redraft this year? I was really high on him last year. He was like my sixth or seventh catcher. Um, but after seeing what, what happened last year, and we've already talked about just the Nationals' inability to really groom hitting. You mm-hmm. know? Um, I'd say 12, around 10 or 12. I haven't fully it, given up on him. but In the two-catcher league, in the two-catcher league, he's probably a second good second catcher to me. So give me a number, like in terms of where you would think you would rank him in catchers, just like without looking. 13 to 15. Yeah. 15. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I don't think he's a starter in a 12 teamer at this point. That's exactly where he's ranked 14. I felt like last year he was going in consistently as like the back end of the top 10. Uh, There's still upside to be had there. The bats of all skills are so good. It's just the power just completely dried up. Yeah. It does there do you think there's another level for him to where he could turn into a top five to seven catcher, or do you think that this is kind of you're gonna get great defense, you're gonna get great bat to ball skills, but the other stuff just isn't seem like it's in his profile to develop. I think catcher is deeper than it's been in recent mm-hmm. years this year. So I don't think this is the year to to reach for a player like this. Yeah. Um, I, I I think there's another level here. I would not bet on him reaching it. Not not in his situation. Goes back. That's a nice way of saying I don't trust the Nationals. Team concept. Man. Statcast, Ed, I mean, expected batting average in the 91st percentile, and he's only 24 years old. So I don't think it's it's time to completely give up on him. But um, yeah, the power no, is he's, the, the problem. He's definitely a, a two catcher catcher. Absolutely for sure. 11.5% K rate last year from the catcher position. That's unreal. Top 3% of all of baseball in points leagues that will play. Uh, and in Roto leagues too. I mean, but again, num- perfect number two catcher. Uh, and especially if you wait on catcher, if you're able to grab him and like a Sean Murphy as like your two catchers and you waited, that's not a bad pairing or him and like uh, Danny Jansen. That's why I don't think you can sweat if you miss out on the top catchers at the top there. Grab both of them and you'd be set. But that'll wrap us up here. A nice long episode again, but um, just when you're having fun with Schwebzy, you lose track of time. But I want to thank you, Schwebzy, for coming on the show and hanging out with us for the last episode in our Dynasty Fantasy Baseball series. Please, again, can you plug your podcast? Can you tell the listeners where they can find you on Twitter and anything else the listeners should know about you? Uh, yeah, the podcast is In the Deep, part of the Pitcher List Podcast Network. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Schwebzy. And uh, don't, uh, I mean, follow my co host, Jordan, uh, at Bunt Singles, but also don't follow him because he just hit a thousand and I haven't hit a thousand yet. So, you know, let me catch up. <laughs> but, Go follow no, Schwebzy. Uh, where, where, where are we at on Twitter in terms of? Uh, it's like uh, nine and change. But uh, we actually we actually just released an episode with the founder of PitcherList, uh, Nick Pollock, which was a really fun episode to do. So check that out. It's a great podcast in the deep. Old PitcherList podcast network is awesome. Nick Pollock is great. If you guys are definitely trying to become better fantasy baseball players, I recommend you check out their podcast. They're hilarious. They're insightful. And it's everything that you want in a podcast. Anywhere you get podcasts, right? Every platform. Yep. Everywhere, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, et cetera. Perfect. 
And for those that are looking for more baseball content from Triple Play Fantasy, remember we have the call-up that comes out every single Wednesday on the YouTube channel and on the podcast feed. And we also have the Fantasy Baseball Beat, giving you the inside scoop from all the beat writers across all 30 teams, giving you the ins and outs, all terms for fantasy and your drafts. Those come out one to two episodes a week by Carlos and by Mike and by Torres. They do a fantastic job. So make sure you check that out as well. But for Schwebzy, for Doc, for Marty, for Elsie, I'm D-Mendy. We're going to make like a bread truck and we're going to haul these buns. We'll talk to you guys next week.